Oh, there we go. We're live now. Singularity. What happened? It started with me yelling, shut this shit down. <laughs> Let's see if this works. After the year 2020, the Spoiler Room crew thought things were going to cool down. But they are just heating up. Cannon fodder. We're in the shit now. Listen in as this elite group of cinema special forces take on an army of cannon group films. What the hell are we watching? I don't know. But I can't take my eyes off it. Prepare yourself for urban action. Oh. And awkward pauses. And, and awkward pauses. <laughs> wow, look at that. It ended. That wasn't even copyrighted material, and it, it stopped the conversation. Oh, well. They shut us down. They shut me down already. How the hell did that happen? Well, we're just going to end that, then. That's what we get for trying something new <laughs> here in the spoiler room. Yes, you did get the full intro, but it is our special cannon fodder episode. Welcome, everyone, to the spoiler room. Thank you for venturing down the stairs pulling up a chair and sitting next to us with your favorite drink as we babble about movie spoilers. And tonight, uh, not only is are we talking about a special not canon canon film, but I've got some special crew members joining us tonight uh, with us, as well as my right-hand man. First, we'll introduce him. Mr. Ian Simmons is back with us. Hello, Ian. How you doing, sir? I'm doing great. This is uh, exciting. This is very exciting. I, I'm excited. We got some fresh blood in here, and that fresh blood is in the form of Michael and Nick from the Shameless Picture Show podcast, which they were foolish enough to have me on a while back, and so I figured I returned the favor. Some great guys. First off, Michael, how you doing today, sir? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing pretty good. I've been. I, I decided to to catch up on Highlander this week. Because we, I hadn't seen it for a couple of years. We we actually re- reviewed it, season three, episode one, Ooh, our own show. Nice. So I was like, well, it's been a little bit of time. <laughs> I've also re-listened to our own episode. <laughs> <laughs> what? How the hell did I feel about this movie? Wow. Let me let me listen. Funny enough, everything I was going to bring up, I brought up on the first. <laughs> But no, I'm doing great, man. Doing good, great. Good. I, got my, I got my root beer. We're good. All right. And and Nick, how you doing, sir? Thanks for coming good. to the spoiler room. Yeah, I apologize uh, in advance for whatever I do to your your uh, <laughs> listeners and podcast in general. <laughs> Trust me, it it's no worse than what we've already <laughs> done to ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> I did no research. Well, I did watch it again, but I oh, well, there you go. Prep. Um, so I'm probably going to say a lot of things that I said last time and have no idea that I'm repeating myself. Uh, well, well, there you go. It'll be new all over. What is old is new again. And we have we have five uh, viewers in the live chat tonight. So Woo. welcome, welcome all five of you, fine Hello. folks. Wow, um, I should have wore something. <laughs> I was going to wear something a little bit nicer and maybe some pants if people are going to show up i didn't know this so uh, but yes. mark is this is this whole episode just going to be a, a book review of that uh, that highlander book that you oh the highlander book yeah well we are reviewing highlander 1986 <laughs> and i actually read a book um and it's called oh, the con- we were supposed explain. to read the book no no you weren't explain. supposed to <laughs> <Shit>. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, no. But uh, it was. If you would have asked me a couple of years ago, back during season three, if I would not only rewatch Highlander but want to read a book on Highlander, I'd tell you you're nuts. But this movie has fucking worked its way into my brain in such a way that I was like, now I have to read this book. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, let me tell you, it's very interesting read. It was re- it was uh, recommended to me by uh, a cannon fodder uh, shill regular. As and I say shill is that I've been shilling him nearly every cannon fodder episode. Austin Trunick of the Canon Film Guide Volume One. Uh, he recommended this book, and I'm so glad he did uh, because yeah, there is all this guy covers it from like wall to wall. He interviews extras he interviews stunt coordinators and you know you read a book like this you look at highlander and you go there's films that start out nowadays that always bug me and i'm sure it bugs you guys as well they say this is the next cult classic and i'm like what okay you can't just say that (laughs) (laughs) you you don't get to just decide (laughs) Well, what if you show the movie to an actual cult and they? (laughs) Well, it depends on how they received it. That's that's true. (laughs) The Mansons thought this film was wonderful. (laughs) Unrelated, my favorite line in the movie Midsummer was was was, uh, the kids want to watch Austin Powers again. (laughs) Like, oh, Austin Powers is a cult thing. How did I miss that one? <laughs> that was a throwaway line, but it's so fucking funny to me. <laughs> but yes, 1986. It, uh, it's I call this a non-canon canon film, and it is. I'm putting this out there now. It qualifies as canon fodder because it was picked up and released by canon. Okay, but it wasn't produced by them. But no. I I did not realize this. This was actually the majority of the production was put out by uh, Thorum EMI. I I'm getting the name slightly mixed up, but um, basically you're right, Thorum EMI. Yeah, uh, uh, and they are the ones that were putting the money behind this for most of the movie. Um, <laughs> and it went into a lot of uh, production troubles at that, but. Uh, uh, yeah, basically, long story short is when they were getting ready to release it, they released it in the U.S., didn't do so well. They were on the ropes and Canon bought them because they didn't like them. They were competition in the Europe market. So they, apparently, according to the book, anyway, apparently, your <laughs> apparently, Galan, Galan and Glovis bought them because they wanted to crush them. <laughs> After I, I've watched both canon documentaries, and that doesn't surprise me. In- <laughs> no, <laughs> it, it doesn't at all. But 1986 well, Highlander. Hey, look, if it's got if it's got the canon logo on the front of it, it's a canon film. There you go. I'm concerned. It, that counts. It's yeah. on the box, so you know, it's, it's it's it counts. It definitely. This is counts. our revenge release. <laughs> <laughs> All the best movies are. Right, they usually yeah. are. They definitely are. I wish someone hated me enough to buy my movie. <laughs> <laughs> I bought it. You did. You did. But that was out of love. That's <laughs> a totally different. I thing. didn't love you then. <laughs> I had just met you. Touche. <laughs> We were in like with each other. <laughs> it, it was out of an incredible surge of indifference. <laughs> you told me you wouldn't you wouldn't give me my cat back until I bought a copy. Yeah, I still have to get you that cat back. 
<laughs> it, it might Hopefully not be an original working condition. <laughs> yeah. Ish. Ish. <laughs> you kind of you kind of stickle you know a battery on it looks like it got hit with the quickening but the cat will be all right then it'll yeah, move around fine. for at least an hour before <laughs> it's uh, i think uh your cat took out a few of mine i figure there can be only one so no, there you one go survives I'll send you <laughs> you're welcome Ian. <laughs> And, and that's, that, I got a face bomb. <laughs> there can be only one. Ian, <laughs> bringing oh, it back no. to the film. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, You're going to make me s- synopsize this one? Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> okay. Actually, I'm curious if I still have the one that I wrote back from. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't think I uh, do. But I'm going to check anyways, because why not? Go, go, go for it, Ian. Come on. You could do it. You could. All right. Uh, Connor McLeod is a guy living in New York City. New York uh, City? No, sorry. At a rope. No, that was yeah, <laughs> that was my favorite. Uh, was that old El Paso? Old El Paso. I, yeah, I, that's yeah. why I love you, Ian. Right there on the no. same wavelength. There you go. Um, and now I've got the later old El Paso jingle in my head. Thank sorry. you, Matt Dormar. Well, there you go. <laughs> Hey, we'll bring it southwest. Anyway, um, hopefully, don't get struck by that. Uh, so, he's living in New York City. Uh, he likes wrestling, I guess. Um, yeah, he does. He, he doesn't so much like having to fight people in parking garages with swords, but he will rise to the occasion because he is an immortal. Uh, and once, uh, whenever he fights someone and beheads them, uh, this, this other group of immortals, uh, something called the quickening happens where he sort of absorbs, and this is the impression I got, absorbs their energy, mm-hmm. makes them stronger. Uh, and there is, uh, the gathering, which is sort of a, a collective event that is going to lead to a bunch of quickening. Uh, all these immortals from around the world have been alive for centuries, sometimes even multiples of centuries are converging on New York city Mm. because there can be only one as we say. So it's a big fight with swords and treachery uh, to become the last uh, immortal. And at which uh, point you get extra special powers. The prize. We'll get to that. (laughs) We will touch on that, but no, so there's a, so yeah. um, Christopher Lambert plays Connor McLeod. You say it's so fancy. Christopher Lambert. I, it's not Christopher okay. Lambert. The only no. Lambert I've ever known in movies was uh, from Alien. And <laughs> even then, I want to call her Lambert, but it sounds weird. <laughs> Get out of the room, Lambert! Uh, but anyway, yeah, fair enough. Uh, so, yeah, so, and we've got uh, Clancy Brown, the great Clancy Brown, playing the Kurgan. Mr. Krabs is, himself. Um, yes. Hmm? <laughs> Mr. Mr. Krabs himself. <laughs> Mr. Krabs? He does the voice of Mr. Krabs and SpongeBob. Oh, and if yeah, I'm not, I'm not up on my SpongeBob. I just thought you were talking about like the the name that the, no. he got bullied in school because they just called him Mr. Krabs after gym class. But maybe, maybe, yeah. That's why I went into acting. Anyway, so he's like the ultra bad guy. He's the one that uh, that has been stalking Connor McCloud across the centuries and countries, and you know, the, it's all going to come down to them. And in the meantime, there is a cop who is trailing Connor McLeod. Uh, they catch on to the fact that there are immortals like beheading each other. Uh, she becomes kind of a love interest. Spoiler, everybody. And uh, yeah, there's a bunch of fights to the death. Uh, there's multiple flashbacks across the centuries. Uh, Sean Connery shows up as the, the Obi-Wan <laughs> of Mr. McLeod and um, is in the movie way too briefly a time. 
And uh, yeah, that's my synopsis of Highlander. Well, that's the broad strokes. We'll get into the specifics, but I do want to talk about these ultra special powers that he gets at the end <laughs> and how there can be okay. sequels to this movie, none of which I've what, seen. What, the TV what, show. Oh, oh, good. I'm glad because we have to take the context of what we know about Immortals from the in, in, in context of this film. Let's not bring any of the sequels in of them trying to give origins to these guys. I want to try to keep it to the film because that's far more interesting than what they tried to come. <laughs> I've not seen the sequels. I just I, I I read just one little line about the second one, and now I need to see it. <laughs> oh, oh, and oh. You don't just push us up. Well, I didn't to know the if I wanted to not... spoil. Look at this. I, have you have you seen the second one, Nick? I I actually grew up not not hardcore, but uh, loosely affiliated with the TV series. Right, and a I lot of people seen, did, yeah. I have not seen any of the sequels, and it was my first time watching the actual film two years ago when we did it on the show. Really? So wow, my, nice. I was exclusively familiar with the TV show. I was going to ask first time you, you saw it, so wow, that was two years ago, your first time you saw it. Huh? Yep. yep. Uh, it, that was my first time, too. Really? Oh, that was a, a double shamelister. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so neither one of you had seen it up until then. And then, huh? like we talk about on our on our episode, this episode yeah. is just going to be us re- referencing our previous episode. This, <laughs> episode. this entire episode is going to be a license um, to shill for them, I guess. That's, audience, that's, uh, did there you, you know go. that we have a podcast that you can <laughs> <laughs> We were Nick saving I, that for the end of the episode, guys. Okay. Nick, Nick and I went into that movie thinking two completely different things, too. Like, <laughs> Uh, I was expecting it to be more like something like your hunter from the future. And I, and Nick, I don't remember what you were expecting, but we had the complete opposite inter- interpretation of what we thought this movie was going to yeah. be. Cause the only thing I knew about it was just, you know, I think like Nick, I saw the TV show growing up a little bit, maybe bits and pieces here and there. I was a big wrestling fan. So at one point a professional wrestler by the name of edge was in one of the later sequels. So I'd seen like clips of that. <laughs> so I, I knew bits and pieces and I just thought, well, this looks this series it looks like a piece of shit, honestly. <laughs> uh, so it's like I just I was like, do I need to see Highlander? Why does Highlander have so many movies out? <laughs> well, I'm curious about that because you guys were familiar with the TV show. Well, At I'd that seen point... the TV show. I don't know if I actually watched it much, but I'd seen it. Okay, so you weren't like following because I was going to say if you'd watched the show and you knew there were movies. <laughs> <laughs> well, you hate watching the show, but no. Okay, so you were familiar with it, but not, uh, but not like a. Fan I was like or, four or, or five years old when that show came out. Probably. Well, now I feel God. old. Thank you. Yeah. Ninety-five. Well, well, there just yeah. went my arteries. Oh <laughs> Thank my you. God. Yeah, I'm, this, I'm is, just trying, this is I'm, bad, Mark. I remember, I remember the fucking trailer, gentlemen. I got so hyped because. It was dudes in trench coats with the yeah, sword, and they played the Queen music on the trailer. It said "Music by Queen," and it was like there could be only one, you know, Lambert with it with his wonderful voice, and it just sort. And I'm like, wonderful. I want to see Lynch. that. Don't forget those. I'm like, I want to see this damn movie when I was a kid. I saw it, man, and, and man, Russell McKay, he made this movie for you. It seems he did. He did make it for me. <laughs> Did, Ian, what about you, sir? And your first Highlander experience? Yeah, I was saying I've only seen this movie twice, and I think the first time might have been about twenty years ago. Really? Show how old I am. I, you know, I'm forty four now. So i I didn't get the whole Highlander thing growing up. I knew I had a lot of friends who were, you know, into Highlander who loved it, and I think I can't remember why I watched it, but they're like, "Yeah, you should check this out." So I rented it, and I was like, "Oh, this is this is really good." And then I watched it 
yesterday. I'm like, this is not nearly as good as I remember. Um, I, I had the reverse. And I, well, but here's the thing. I, when I was watching it, uh, first of all, it's almost two hours long. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. And long. I feel like there was there was prom- well, I didn't watch. The, also, I didn't I don't think I watched the director's cut. Whatever they have on Amazon Prime for free is what That's I watched. That's what I watched. <laughs> OK, but it's like just under two hours long. And I feel like not that have to remake it, but if someone would come in and do an edit of this thing and tighten it up a little bit. I think this would be a perfect hour and a half movie, um, starting with take out all of Clancy Brown's dialogue in the third act, because I think the Kurgan works better as a monosyllabic, like mysterious, you know, like the Terminator, which he totally, that you know, Mulcahy wanted him to be in this movie. Oh, fuck yeah. The exception yeah. to that that I would throw in is him singing New York, New York. While mm-hmm. driving yes. like an asshole, that like that was magical, <laughs> and I agree with perhaps the best version of that song. <laughs> I'm sorry, Frank, but Queen <laughs> yep, took, no. stole that. But yeah, imagine if he had said nothing except the the two words he said back in Scotland when he was like killing people, like I want McLeod, and then it's just New York, New York, or I love New York. Yeah, uh, that would that would have been just beautiful movie. Mm, that would have made this an instant classic. <laughs> Uh, again, but um, no, I have a question about the trench coat. I know nothing about fashion or utility of clothing. Um, I had not noticed before, but he wears a trench coat. And then when he gets back to his secret lair, he takes off the trench coat and he's got a brown leather jacket on. I, f- I feel like that's like wearing two or three Christmas sweaters over each you, other. You have to dress in layers in New York. I assume that's, it's Christmas time. I don't know. I, it, I guess I want this to be a Christmas movie, so I'm projecting. It, it's cold then. It is winter in that time. I don't remember if they wanted it exactly to be Christmas. It was going to be released during Christmas. Uh, <laughs> but, um, I think the, the primary purpose of the trench coat was to super awkwardly hide a giant sword. Sword, um, yes. so he could walk around a wrestling match, and I, he's like, "I love his sword. Come on, okay. that, the, the hilt of that sword. I just love that sword. Yeah, he does hide the katana in, in, in his uh, in so his much so coat, that he can't. So. Like, he doesn't have a sheath or anything. So when See. he's escaping, he's like, "Oh shit, I don't have time to put this literally back in my trench coat. So I'm gonna throw <laughs> it up. Well, and the then, for later. Let's not forget Kurgan's uh, uh, Lego pieced sword that he just mm. assembles that <laughs> phenomenal the, the, it is that i ever studied as an engineer but the part of me that my mom wanted me to become an engineer <laughs> that's that's briefcase sword drives me nuts it works for a gun <laughs> it does not work for a sword i'm pretty sure i complained about this two years ago uh, <laughs> you did you did <laughs> i liked it i mean hey come on if sword if they can have a triple bladed sword that shoots a blade out we can have a bl- sword that's carried in a suitcase okay and 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 <laughs> please allow me to give this disclaimer i'm probably going to make a lot of um observations of of plot holes and and cheesy dialogue that being said i do love this film Mm -hmm. i absolutely love any movie that begins with professional wrestling (laughs) it it can't be bad man the fabulous Freebirds, and i think jumping jim brunzel was in there as well Mm -hmm. i knew you would the tonga kid yeah the tonga kids in there too i i remember they made note you you can't you can't hate a movie that begins with a fucking aerial shot of Madison Square Garden. Uh, I want to be clear. All right. 
I think all of the stuff that I didn't like about the movie this time, and I didn't mind it the first time I watched it because I'd never seen it before. I'm like, oh, this mm-hmm. is you know cool. It's got a, its own mythology and stuff. I like the structure. It was all of the stuff with uh, Connor McCloud in the modern day with this with Brenda, the the cop detective, and their little cat and mouse. Like, are you really into antique swords or whatever? All of that stuff I feel like could have been done in five minutes. They don't need to be lovers of that whole, like Skinamax thing. <laughs> like, aren't I, wrong. I would rather spend, you know, more time kind of like the uh, like the old guard, Mark, you talked mm-hmm. about last week, another movie I didn't you know that movie I really didn't care for. But I like the idea of going through the different centuries. I'd like to spend more time, not just in, you know, 1200, whatever, Scotland and then 1536, like 1536, <laughs> Scotland and then like one scene with the Nazis. I want that to be the entire movie leading up to New York. <laughs> yeah, honestly, like this like obviously it was a TV show, but like I feel like this would be a great like Netflix miniseries. Mm. Yes, they could redo it as a miniseries. Yeah, I mean that's why the TV show. It <clears throat> you know people you look at the story the way they did it and with the the TV the TV show really expounded on on the immortal stuff and actually gave it a more rich mythology than that fucking piece of shit Highlander two. I'm sorry, <laughs> there's people that love Highlander two. <laughs> The the, the rogue it, yeah. cut the rogue cut does not fix things. <laughs> it, in fact, it makes it worse. It's like it's like no, just just no because they had absolutely no clue of the following, and that was one of those things is where Highlander yeah didn't do well at the box office. It ran into all kinds of production issues and that, but it got that following because it lived so well on cable and direct to video. People are like. Oh my God. And then you had Queen as well, music with it, which uh, Michael Kamen also does a uh, score to it. And they did the Queen soundtrack before Kamen did the score because what Kamen liked, because he did uh, music for, uh, you know, other movies as well, where he worked with rock star, uh, rock bands and that. So Queen did the music and then he did the score to help complement the music. So that's why you've got like some of those themes carrying over into the score. Unfortunately, they only released the score in Europe. They didn't release it in the U S and they released queen and queen didn't want it to be a soundtrack album. So they released it as it's a kind of magic, which (laughs) just happens to have songs from Highlander on it. (laughs) You know, the, the queen element to this film uh, it, it's a, a strange little niche pocket of mine of like uh, children's animation from the mm-hmm. like eighties and nineties. Um, but it reminded me of the last unicorn. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. America does yeah. that entire soundtrack and it gives it such a bizarre tone <laughs> that if you remove that soundtrack, I think if you remove queen from Highlander, like the the queen soundtrack took it in such a strange direction that i think it certainly improved it because it's fucking queen um <laughs> but like it's 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 that um like disharmonious pairing mm-hmm. that somehow works well it's 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 you're exactly right like they it you can't have one without the other what i what i truly like about Queen's music in this movie because like I usually cringe whenever like I see that like a movie has multiple original songs from a popular rock band I just think of like the early 2000s when like every movie had to have like disturbed and slipknot and shit in it um, 
<laughs> and, but like what why I think this one works is because it was built around these songs. Like I mm-hmm. that, that that first scene that we really get uh Who Wants to Live Forever where mm-hmm. uh, Connor is I tear up. Yeah, and his, like, that's the song between, with him and his wife. Like Brian May wrote that song to the scene. Mm-hmm. Like he yeah. made that song for the scene. It just like they didn't just like oh, here's a couple of fucking songs. Go use <laughs> go use them. You know, like, they, it upstages the actors. Yeah, in that yeah. Scene. <laughs> It makes the actors better. It yeah. makes the it, it makes, makes the me, scene it better. It makes me care less about Christopher Lambert. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Ian, and the Queen soundtrack? You like it? I mean, they, it's got your song vision from your Iron Eagle soundtrack, but it's a different vision. But uh... well, well, that's the thing is, you know, I was aware that the Queen music was in it, but, you know, I, I wasn't I wasn't sitting out like rocking out to it. The New York, mm. New York sound, you know, song really stood out. Um, the, the opening song, of course. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm just not, uh, I don't connect to soundtracks like that necessarily. Um, I was more focused on on the story and I did mm-hmm. like that the music complimented it. You're right. These aren't mm-hmm. like needle drops. There's no like, hey, yeah. this song is popular on the radio. We're going to put it in the next 20 movies and then all in the next 50 <laughs> movies trailers. So it really, yeah, it, it is a great point that they, they complement each other. Question for anyone who's seen the sequels. I know Queen. I would assume Queen didn't do the the soundtrack to any of those. But <laughs> did they? Was the was the music? Did they have any attempt to like incorporate music into the narrative or the thematically in those? Sure. <laughs> no, there wasn't like not like this one. Um, I can say that Princes of the Universe was the theme song of the TV show, and when yes. it came on in the movie, I was like, "Oh shit, they used the same song." Yeah, they, they <laughs> if the TV show came first, because the TV show was the trying to be that bridge. Actually, when they came out, and they decided very smartly not to have it be Connor in the TV show, the same character. They had him show up. Christopher Lambert didn't want to be tied to the TV show. So that's why he only showed up for one episode. He said, I'll give you one, um, you know, so, <laughs> but I'm going to play Lord Raiden. That, yeah. But yeah, yeah then, then I'm going to go Lord play Lord Raiden. Um, <laughs> there's a lot like Highlander. <laughs> but, you know, he didn't want to be tied to a TV series and rightfully so. But that's why they did the whole same clan thing with the story. But yeah, they managed to get that opening music. Princes of the Universe is wonderful. It's the first video I ever posted on YouTube because I t- married Star Wars with it and then later on i did don't um uh, give me the prize with sith footage um that music is iconic and it it fits and it does i think different music i'm not sure if highlander maybe would have caught on quite like it did but that music adds so much to the weird surrealness of this movie because you're already genre bending with sword fights in modern age which I know we're kind of used to it now, but in 86, I was like, holy shit, fantasy sword fight with immortals in the modern age. You you don't, I mean, putting the movies together for our no expiration month, which this also is for immortal films, it's actually kind of tough to find immortal move, movies about immortals. Yeah, and it's, oh, sorry, Nick. I, I think where this movie really shines and what justifies the, at least the attempt at sequels. Again, I have not seen them to weigh in on them, but um, they, they built a world and a concept that you want to spend more time in that Mm -hmm. like it is 
sure they have other immortal films they have other mm-hmm. sword fight in present day films but there is something magical about the world that they created for this film they they were onto something there and oh no go ahead Ian. i was just gonna say real quick something that you know i thought could be explored in a sequel and i don't know that they have but the idea of the the sword and and this kind of duel towards the end of this film you've got a guy i don't quite know what his deal is but he's driving around in like a t-bird and he's got you know a cache (laughs) of weapons just like looking for trouble and he sees the kurgan (laughs) fighting you know one of connor's you know friends in an alley he's like this is my chance And he gets out and he shoots him up with an uzi or he tries to uh the idea of warfare throughout the centuries it has evolved so could there be someone who is there something about the immortal tradition that says you have to use swords or could there be someone like yeah, i'm going to use <laughs> rocket launchers uh, you know to try and I'll take, take his head off <laughs> well, i imagine it has something to do right. with like this this code of honor because like remember uh and i need to accurately quote his fucking insane name what did uh what was sean connery's crazy name in this movie juan sanchez villalobos ramirez yes a egyptian spaniard he had said um that you know the one place that they are truly safe is on like sacred ground ground. yeah yeah. because we all agreed to it yeah Yeah. and i imagine something the same thing to do with sword fighting like it's the, Mm. the the highlanders since they have nothing they have nothing better to do than like i just feel like they they have this weird code of respect, and I also imagine the only way to actually kill a Highlander is is just beheading. Right. Yeah, well, because yeah. and that's something that I don't know if they, I I might have missed it, but they didn't make use of that hallowed ground thing in this movie. Yeah, they did. They, yeah, there was there was one weird scene between the Kurgan and Connor in a um, church. In, in a church towards the end where he had the oh, pins in his neck and he yeah, was like that, that's, that's the why they weren't <laughs> right that's why they weren't fighting each other i guess i was just expecting more of a kind of like a vampire thing like i, I can't come into this room because <laughs> it was very <laughs> weak it was, right, it was yeah. weak it was more of tradition and it's focus focus yeah. did that better <laughs> <laughs> well, but but here's my thing i and i think it would have been uh, interesting to to look at to explore what happens if you violate some of these rules right because the kurgan seems like someone who has no honor he seems like the first guy to say you know rocket launchers are us yeah right uh, but yeah you know but that's what's interesting about his character is even as bad as he is or evil as he is, you know, the, the, the dark path as he's taken. I mean, we pretty much have Vader and Luke going on here, but, um, you know, he's taken the dark path with the mortal just taking advantage of it. He still is even adhering to the traditions, whether or not it's just to uh, mock them or just because he finds it amusing, but still he's there on hallowed ground and he chooses not to behead Connor while he's lighting a candle for his love from centuries ago. Um, you know, so yeah, it is an interesting thing that they could have explored more, but, but they didn't cause they, they had to get back to the other things. Uh, I just want to put it in real quick. Lee says it's best to just not talk about the sequels. Yes, Lee, you, you are correct. I, I've been, that. I've been, we've all been burying the weed. This is the spoiler room and Nick has yes. been waiting with bated breath. I'm going to tell him the big reveal that we find out and, that, which all, makes me want to watch this movie. Is, uh, does anyone protest? Go right mm. ahead while I they're, try not to listen. They're aliens. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> you. Do they know you. they're aliens? Yes. 
There's literally a scene on an alien planet with Ramirez and Connor. Oh, Ramirez comes back, by the way. Too. Ramirez and Ramirez comes I back. I think I remember that. Yeah, and that's I. The only thing oh, I know about fuck. Highlander Two oh. is the trailer for it. And at some point, Sean Connery sticks his head out and says, "Greetings, Highlander. We've been expecting you." Yeah, I'm like, but he's dead <laughs> anyway. Uh, so yeah, I forgot there were aliens. It's kind of like what the, it's kind of like with uh, with Thor from the Marvel movies. You just kind of like look the other way and like, yeah, these aren't really gods; they're aliens. Sure, you, you cannot die, McCloud. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's the sequels. It's not because that's one of those where just like the producers reading about how the producers meddled with this film from what it was going to be versus what it ended up being um, is just crazy. And yeah, I'm going to shill the book again. It's a kind of magic Highlander uh, by Jonathan Melville. I learned so much with it that. It's amazing, one, this film ever actually got to screen, and two, what we got, because... Uh, I'm surprised it got the screen. I haven't even read the fucking book. <laughs> Everybody is. Who agreed uh, with this? Uh, How do I shake their hand? <laughs> Russell Mulcahy, who I learned a new term while reading the book, too. I hope you guys don't mind me bringing it up. I just found a lot of I real do. interesting okay you do okay i won't i won't bring it up anymore and that was it that was nick everybody hope you enjoyed seeing him let's just uh let's see where is this removed from stream no um, russell mulcahy uh was what they call pop promo director he was a video music director for ages in fact he was huge in music video mtv all of that he was one of those godfather of what they called I didn't realize they called music videos pop promos, but they're basically pop promos. He directed those for ages before he ever got to the feature film. I mean, he was making it in late 70s to MTV. I mean, this guy was that guy. And so he would he had a huge group of connections to that. So he brought some of those guys on, but it explains the editing, but somehow that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it makes it works for this film. And that's where the queen element, I think, really works with this movie is the fact that he basically cut almost a two hour music video, you know, because apparently it also explains the similarities in the uh, that end fight scene to mm -hmm. uh, the end scene in Empire Records with the big mm -hmm. neon lit sign. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, I. Uh, you you deserve some kind of an award for for correlating Highlander with Empire Records, a movie yeah. I very and the last unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned last unicorn. You already moved <laughs> way up on there. I'm like, someone else watched last unicorn. What? It didn't like throw so themselves good. off of a bridge. So <laughs> God, that move. Don't double feature that with Watership Down. Otherwise, you're just gonna go go throw yourself into traffic. Um. <laughs> But yeah, uh, well, Christopher Lamb uh, with uh, Sean Connery, they only had him for a week and a week. they had him scheduled for six days of shooting and no more. If he went over, he got a million dollars. The more I find out about Sean Connery, the more I'm like, how the fuck did this guy like get anything made after this point? <laughs> He he really did not want to work. <laughs> if you're going to make me work, you're going to pay me. Um, yeah, he he got like, yeah, it was like um, six. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah, and uh, for the sequel, uh, for when he came back for Highlander two, he got three million. But before he shot a single scene, he got it in escrow. 
So he got his money up front. He was like... That's some Marlon Brando gangster shit. Right? Yeah, but they actually they actually did pay him like five hundred thousand dollars more than what they had planned on because there was a day of rain where they couldn't actually shoot, so they got him for like a half a day longer, and he made five hundred thousand dollars. That actually that, reminds me a lot of like Jack Nicholson in, in the original eighty nine Batman. Mm-hmm. He he didn't want to do that movie, and the deal that he made that his lawyers got him was that not only did he get a very handsome fee for that movie, but then he gets a cut of every Batman property that's made afterwards from here on out. Mm -hmm. And that's why Jack Nicholson just could take whatever project he wanted because, well, I'm making that Batman money. And then Um, like, and then like he apparently was like, uh, when they made the sequel, he's like, he's talking to Danny DeVito. He's like, Hey Danny, you should get your lawyer to get you my deal. (laughs) (laughs) well i remember the joke at the oscars that year they made a joke because he because of the deal he got with batman jack nicholson was the highest paid actor in hollywood because they made a joke about it at that oscars at the you know the 89 Oscars. well it was 1990 but 89 oscars they made a joke about you know how he was the richest guy um interesting enough with this we're talking about money and again i hope you guys don't mind i just Lots of stuff. Uh, apparently, they they when uh, Lormal uh, when EMI was going through their financial thing and looking to get bought, they were giving their shareholders an opportunity to buy it back. Well, they took too long, so another guy bought it for 125 million, sold it to Canon for 175 million, and got 50 million. In profit, oh, holy shit. for selling it, he wasn't going to keep it. He bought it for what? It's a fixer. It. Yeah, it's a yeah. fixer. <laughs> yeah. And and yeah, Canon is 1986. Yeah, <laughs> Canon. Canon basically killed killed the film. Um. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's still got four sequels, a TV show, and an animated series. Well, because of the cult following, and that's you know that's what always first when a cult following could make could could get shit made well because of the the, i mean the video market and word of mouth and how this thing grew it it's actually impressive and that's what they mentioned too is the fact of someone went ahead and decided to make a sequel to this movie that was a bomb i mean you wouldn't see that really nowadays i mean the only reason we get sequels i think for bombs is because they commit to contracts and it's more expensive to get people out of contracts than it is to yeah complete the I franchise like terrible sequels were much more common in like the 70s through the 90s like well, yeah. nowadays the the sequels stand up but like even like look at a they're, they're all cash grabs back then. Well, yeah it's they they couldn't care less now it's like oh okay we have to make something yeah. decent in order for it to <laughs> we have to we maybe have to yeah, stop talking person- about highlander too because lee's getting sick he says it's an abomination oh. i'm sorry lee go ahead Ian. <laughs> I was going to say about the sequel thing. I mean, I think there's some truth to that, but uh, sequels nowadays, they don't have to be better. They just have to be part of an interconnected universe. Um, That's fair. Whether you're talking like, you know, comic book movies or even, you know, horror with with James Wan and, you know, his million franchises all kind of going back to, uh, was it Insidious and and all that other stuff? Conjuring, yeah. Or Conjuring, yeah. Yeah, the Conjuring. Um, Yeah, and uh, everything that spawned from that. Yeah. but yeah, I remember the the direct-to-video uh, 
Oh, I think Highlander 2 got a theatrical release. It did, right? yes. Did oh, one, yeah. Did the other ones come out in the theaters or those? Yeah, no. Uh, three got put out in the theater. Four was the last theatrical release, but it was very limited uh, screens. And then the fifth one was the crossover one that they did with the TV. Well, fourth. No, four was the one where they brought in uh, the uh, TV characters as well. And then the fifth one was a direct to sci-fi channel, I think uh sequel so mark have you seen all these sequels uh i've seen up through four the one with connor and uh um uh what's his name <laughs> the other connor uh so the other mcleod I, I have i have to ask just hmm. remove the f- original film okay if you had to pick the best one of these th- of of those uh I, I just i'm just legitimately curious because be if careful, two is you're that about to bad. lose Lee. You're about to lose Lee. <laughs> I don't care about. You know, I we were talking about Highlander. I, Highlander two, three, and four. I, I, I just would have to ask. I just like gun to his head. I want to know what his answer is going to be, and I, then we can go back to Highlander. I would be three. Three would be the one because the three tried to ignore two and went to <laughs> went to tried to be a sequel to the original because three was the sorcerer was Highlander three the sorcerer uh, and Lambert came back because money. Uh, they they're gonna pay him money. He's like, sure, okay. He ain't gonna come back for free. You know, it, Ian. It, a, he needs to save up money in order to learn how it, to blink. Ian, it's like when we talked. When we, we we talked about the Death Wish films, and you know, you know, he kept coming back because they were gonna pay him. So you know, it's like Bronson came back for a few movies because sure, they're gonna just keep, they're gonna pay me millions of dollars to be in this movie. Okay, you know, fuck it. Oh yeah, so, and for the record, I would sell out so goddamn fast I'll be in Highlander 6 I don't care <laughs> for, for a couple of bills shit yeah you know <laughs> you could just give me like 300 bucks in the same gym and I'll be <laughs> but, but 3 was good because uh, uh, you know and many people have talked about this movie folks with Highlander so if we're not diving too deep into it I mean there's many coverage of this uh, but like season three, episode one of the Shameless. There you go. As, <laughs> wow, look at that again. Smooth. <laughs> yeah, as Lee said, it, it, yeah, uh, it, Lee did uh, confirm that Highlander Five was indeed the sci-fi movie, and as bad as two, which I'm glad I'm not watching that. Uh, and three isn't too horrid. Um, okay, it, Lee does like the TV series. Though, he does so like that the TV makes series. Me feel better though. about my very distant memories of it. And I did too because it gave us more of the world that was built in Highlander because as much as we joke about, you know, the cheesy dialogue and the plot holes and such, it gives you a glimpse of glimmer of this world. Yeah. You want to play in. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> ultimately what and that's ultimately that's ultimately what I like so much about this movie. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it's it's like it stuck out of my brain. Like when I watched it originally on Letterboxd, I gave it like three stars, mm-hmm. and this time it rose with a three and a half. And I just realized that like there's flaws, there's faults, but it's you know what films don't have that. Mm-hmm. But there's something. Freddie got know, fingered. <laughs> Freddie got right. fingered. At least has the daddy <laughs> wants some sausage scene. So that's pretty great. Oh great, you found yeah. allies. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. Damn it. Um, Oh, oh um, Mark, I almost sent this to you because, but I didn't want you to cry. Someone did a video review of Malignant, yeah. and they interwove scenes, not scene, scenes, and a thematic through line connecting Malignant to Freddy Got Fingered. Can you please send that to me? I'll figure it out. Yeah, I'll send I think it to you. I just lost my crown of random uh, connections. <laughs> <between movies. laughs> 
been dethroned. <laughs> what I what I love so much about this is just you know I guess pun intended it's, it has a weird magic to it. Like I I was never a huge fan of the fantasy genre. There are some mm-hmm. movies I, I definitely like, but like I don't know I, I just didn't really vibe well with like contemporary dudes trying to talk like they come from a different time period and you know poorly made costumes and sh- I don't know it just wasn't like but like the 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 integration of the past and the present in this one is what I found to be so endearing about yeah. it. And yeah. it worked in a way that it didn't feel false because the narrative is woven so instinctually into the location where, yeah, you have movies of people. I'm, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but you know, contemporary movies where people are using swords and, and shit in New York, or California mm-hmm. or whatever. Like it's, you know, it's usually some bad, like Kung Fu movies and stuff like that. Um, or Blind Fury. <laughs> um, but like what I liked about this, it's like it makes sense because, yeah, here they, they, they are immortal. They've been around forever. They, you know, um, and of course, that's how they would fight. That's just what they know. And they've had a lot of fucking time to perfect. perfect it. <laughs> um, so it's like it, it, it never felt false in that way. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's a weirdly appe- like because when I first heard about this movie, I didn't I didn't I didn't know there was the New York aspect of it i just figured it was all going to take place in the highlands of scotland and that's why i honestly wasn't rushing i wasn't i was dragging my feet to see it because it's like i just like i can handle low budget movies but low budget fantasy films just don't always do it for me but so i was just and that's like nick's bread and butter Um, (laughs) so i was dragging my feet a little bit but because we had that like shared element of these two worlds kind of coming together that's what i found myself really a I found Ruby really appealing about this and why I think it's just kind of like working its way into my brain. (laughs) Well, I got to say there's something that I hadn't picked up on before that I definitely caught yesterday is, and I don't know if this was deliberate or just my own perception, but the flashbacks to all the earlier, you know, the Scotland stuff and even the, the world war two stuff where you see Connor McLeod, Christopher Lambert, he's muscular. His face is chiseled. He's got like a Mm -hmm. definite jawline. When you see him, even that opening scene in the wrestling arena when he's kind of slumped over in the in the chair, he's he's doughy. He's got that you know <laughs> that under chin thing kind of hanging down, so you can see like he's no longer the kind of virile you know proto Scottish warrior that he was. He's been he's been slumming around the earth for like four hundred fifty years trying to stay alive, but just kind of like bored. He's got stubble and just looks haggard. That just felt really like committing to the bit. I, I, I really dug that. Yeah, he, he discovered New York pizza. Yeah, he did. Right. <laughs> funny, funny thing is that was supposed to be a hockey match that he watches in the beginning, and and it's so much fitting, so much better it's, as you know, wrestling. It's like you know, like Greek combat and shit. Yeah, like, of course that's what he'd go to watch. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it, it's a bunch of dudes get greased up and want to grapple each other. That was his Saturday night. <laughs> that was his Saturday night. <laughs> Um, I, I would like to, before we, you know, close out, not that we're getting ready to close out, but I just want to make sure I get these two questions in. Yeah, go for it. Uh, I don't know if this is a plot hole or what, Mm -hmm. but Heather, right? That was Connor's love back in the day. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a scene where. Heather and Sean Connery, I'll call him because I don't want to. Uh, Ramirez? Ramirez. Well, you can just say, just say Ramirez. Ramirez. Yeah, they all call him just Ramirez. So Ramirez, yeah. So Ramirez and Heather are having dinner or drinks in their little castle in the Highlands. Mm-hmm. 
Connor is off somewhere. I don't think we there's I don't know there's an explanation of where he is, but he's he's away. And the Kurgan shows up, destroys the castle, beheads Ramirez, which was and a then, gorgeous shot, by the way. Yeah. Yes. I mean it's it's a fantastic set piece. I love the the last thing remaining, essentially, that stairway into the sky leading right up to lightning bolts and all that stuff. Perfect. But Kurgan comes out of the the rubble and kind of like chokes her. Mm. And then we cut back to present day, I believe. Yeah. And I'm wondering, okay, so what, what happens there? Yeah. Okay. Connor is off <laughs> Lee says Connor is off shearing sheep. Funny you should mention that. <clears throat> oh, we're going oh, back to the well. Book. Okay. I didn't say that. I didn't say the book. I didn't say the book. Let's just say a certain I'm, source that <laughs> I'm selling the podcast. You're selling the book. You know. I, 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 well, this is the type of details that are in here, though. That that question came up among the cast, actually. Some of the cast are like, where, where, <laughs> like what where, am I doing right now? <laughs> Apparently, well, he was was hunting. They 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 just tossed it off as that he was hunting. Yeah, that sounds like the crew and the, like after the day. It's like, I, I don't know. He's fucking hunting. Like, what, are, what else are they doing? He's, he's taking a piss. What, stop asking questions. Just reach your lines. Well, it, it just it brings up a lot of questions because it's established that the 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 immortals can sense each other. They sort of yeah. feel nauseous or something something overcomes mm-hmm. them. i just wonder like how big a radius is that feeling because i feel like if the kurgan is in the neighborhood even though the neighborhood is like there's no other castles for like 400 miles around that kind of would sense that but my question is I have after that hmm? <laughs> i have a theory what? but ask your question first okay well and i, w- I will get to my point i promise <laughs> kurgan comes up out of the rubble grabs heather Later on, we come back to the next time we see Heather again. She's old and on her deathbed. Uh, During that dinner scene, or I guess when Kurgan attacks Ramirez, Ramirez lies and said, yeah, that's my woman to Mm. protect, you know, her. But later in the church scene, after, you know, Heather has died, another flashback of old age, Kurgan says, oh, so that wasn't your woman. Well, you know, I did things to her. I'm sorry. I don't know. Maybe it's the the time or whatever, but how would she not tell Connor McLeod what had happened? Also, how would there be no physical evidence of him having sexually assaulted her? Because he's not a gentle lover. The, the Kurgan. <laughs> you don't think so I don't know. I don't know how this is like a big deathbed secret all of these years later. That just didn't. That rang really false to me. Yeah, I, I could. So first off, like in. In terms of like the no, no signs of getting roughed up, like she was still kind of involved in that. Like she was there when the castle was breaking down. So if if she was roughed up, it she could have played it off as, "Oh, I got hit by castle rubble." Well, okay, but but still, there's another conversation there, which is Connor McLeod, wherever he is, he comes back. Ramirez is dead. She's maybe in the rubble. Did he discover a few days later? Did he come back five minutes after the Kurgan has left? There's like 17 scenes that are missing from this movie <laughs> yes. involving this incident. The, the only thing I could think of with her silence, especially if we, we, we kind of go back to the time period, is she just saw Kurgan completely behead Ramirez, who is very talented with the sword. She has her man. She knows that her man would probably go looking for Kurgan if she mentions it, and she'd rather have him at home 
and be by her rather than go off trying to find Kurgan and maybe getting himself beheaded himself and then she's completely alone. Maybe that is her motivation for not telling him. Maybe. I'm just saying you know? it's a giant well, yeah, story supposition it that is. should not be left up to the yes. audience to wonder about. And you. and for me, the the more imp- the bigger question for me is why impl- like it's it's a, a big leap and also like it's kind of a and and i'm speaking from today's perspective and this was yeah. written a long time ago so there's that <laughs> but like all that just to have one more thing that proves that the Kurgan's an asshole like we know yeah. that like yeah. why this random like oh by the way like i did inappropriate things to her like yeah okay you're a dick uh, like we get it <laughs> mike yeah. what, well i what, what, i also don't see i don't see the kurgan as someone also who leaves you know a witness yeah i right, feel like yeah. he, yeah. he would have totally fridged this you know this is before refrigerators I, but I, I i i have something with that too but i want to hear mike's theory what, what what's your theory sir my theory is that connor wanted ramirez dead because he didn't want to have to Ooh. kill himself that's a lot different than my theory. My theory I, was that like it's not like radar pings, but like because <laughs> well, John Connor was well, there, I, I, like maybe it kind of just like he knows that there's an immortal there, and it made yeah. sense because of course there's an immortal. And there. I guess it's, I should say it's not it's not necessarily that he wanted him dead. He just knew <laughs> eventually he's gonna have, have to, to kill, kill him, him. Yeah. and he doesn't want to be the one to have to do it. That's that's actually a good yeah. That's that's uh, that could be the case. Stretch, as, but as li- that works. But I think it, to explore that angle, you also need to fill in. I can't remember the name of the other immortal he runs into on the bridge in New York City, where he's like, yeah, hey, I guess we're doing this, and they're time. like buddies. Yeah, I want to see gear, that think, story yeah. of how he goes from maybe I should knock off the competition early to, hey, we can be buds and <laughs> hang out you know, 100 years later. Yeah. He's had a lot of time to mature. Yeah, he has. Yeah. Lee Lee sure. mentions a uh, lot of time. <laughs> Lee, Lee mentions yeah. that sensing other immortals has been pretty short range. And he said uh, he remembers discussing Heather not telling Connor about the rape with his friend as they left the theater. It always bothered him as well. So, yeah, it's vindication. (laughs) The only other thing I could think of is that maybe Kurgan didn't. Um, And he said it to to jab at um, jab at Connor, because in all honesty, if you look at the way Kurgan's personality is in all he doesn't care (laughs) i mean you know sex wise i i could almost see him just saying that just to egg him on too and maybe it didn't actually happen but he says it as a you know either a fishing thing or try to get at connor i'm I'm not saying it's true i'm just saying that it, it is possible that he's just he's trolling the shit out of connor and it's like Oh yeah, I did bad things to her too. You know, almost like, yeah, yeah. Not only did I Your like, mother. yeah, exactly. <laughs> not only did I kill Ramirez, but but I put his head on a pike, and then I played baseball with that pike, and then yeah. you know, and then You're I ugly, and your mom. <laughs> <laughs> so I well, mean, and there, you know, there's also the you know, if if we're taking it out of the narrative context of yeah. why was it included in the film, mm-hmm. um, like there's a a million reasons why a woman wouldn't say that that happened to her, you know, mm-hmm. like especially bad. I mean, especially it's the same now, but um, 
I, I think there's a billion good reasons why she would walk sure. away from that and not be like, hey, so something terrible just happened to me. Yeah, right. But but that again, and I'm I'm not doubting what you're saying, uh, but the Kurgan is not your run of the mill sexual assaulter. <laughs> I don't think he does that to her. And then Connor McLeod shows up even the next day and he's like, hey, why are you walking funny? <laughs> you know, she's going to have black eyes. She's going to be all sorts of messed up from that encounter. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it just it raises more questions. Than I think I feel like that would have been better like an, if when Ramirez like a, said run. She just escapes the castle. and runs right. into the woods. Yeah. Yeah. Because it honestly oh. feels like an unnecessary line. It feels like an unnecessary inclusion right. because there's nothing to motivate it. It just. Honestly, I, just it feels like a fucked up thing that they decide, like. Oh, this is going to make people hate him, but we already hate him. <laughs> right, hate right. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't see him. any world where the Tyrion doesn't kill her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and that's where uh, Lee says to his opinion, uh, Kurgan is just f- uh, full of shit, and yeah. you know, and, and that's what I think it is. I think he's just full of shit. He's just egging Connor on. That's the only way I could kind of explain it away. I could see them trying to explain it away. Is just he's just. You know, he's whatever. He's just saying whatever to get a rise out of Connor. So, you know, in fact, maybe and in fact, maybe he knew she was actually, you know, he figured it out after four centuries that that wasn't Ramirez's (laughs) girl. (laughs) Yeah. you know. Well, but but again, if that's the case, you have to answer the question. Yes. What happens after he reaches up and grabs her throat? True. Yes. True. Yep. That's very true. Yeah. Uh, side note, uh, this is a, I have to mention this and Ian knows why. And if people listen to the show, they know why a different pick other than Bettany Edney was supposed to be Heather. It was supposed to be Catherine Mary Stewart. Catherine Mary, Catherine Mary Stewart was supposed to be it. Not only that, she, she, they did a body cast for the aging scene. She was going to be it. There was a problem with, I think, the visa that she had, so she couldn't come back to the country to shoot the footage in the Highlands. So they okay. had to get Bettany Edney, uh, Betty Edney. But initially, it was going to be Catherine Mary Stewart playing Connor McLeod's wife in in the in the highlands i thought you were gonna say it was gonna be Catherine mary stewart playing connor mcleod well no <laughs> that'd be interesting okay so my last and i s- hope this will not be as long a tangent as the other one i didn't mean to open up this can of <laughs> no it's a good question it's a really good question oh. But okay, so at the end they have the ultimate quickening kurgan gets beheaded in a beautiful sweep of the sword um Connor gets all of the powers. We see animated demons fighting each other, sweeping all sweeping all around. I let's just pretend there are not aliens involved because we're gonna forget <laughs> about Hollander too. At the end of the movie, Connor is explaining to De- Deborah, Debbie, whatever her name is. Brenda. Um, Brenda, sorry. Uh, that he can hear people's thoughts he knows their mm-hmm. dreams he's basically professor x on steroids pretty much and he's like become the most powerful most knowledgeable man in the world mm-hmm. and the implication is it's a good thing he got this because the kurgan would have used it to become you know apocalypse essentially right uh but my question is if this is supposed to be demonic power or whatever was that being driven out of 
the whole immortal process and his reward from the cosmos as he's been given this this power because it seems to me if this is all demonic energy then it doesn't matter who gets it they are susceptible to corruption in some way or it's at least a power that they should like no person should have over other people what do you guys think? I, I know the answer to this, <laughs> unfortunately, but I want I want to hear your guys' thoughts. Uh, uh, not knowing the answer, I was I found the the demon magic very a very strange choice, uh, graphically speaking. I thought it was like cool and really yeah. out of place, mm. and I I didn't go so far as to like connect it to the storyline because I so quickly dismissed it as, well, that doesn't make any fucking sense. So I, just, <laughs> I just like repressed it from the I memory. imagine the, the, the effects guys just had some fucking demons laying in the shop. And like, Russell McKay, he's like, can we use those? He's you like, want to yes. reuse the, the, yeah. Mike, you're not far off. Um, <laughs> They actually had a physical, there was supposed to be a physical manifestation, like a creature that he was supposed to then fight. When Kurgan croaks, it, it was supposed to appear and that he was supposed to fight. And it was supposed to be like this amalgamation of in the right. second form. Yeah. The producers didn't like that idea, so they scrapped it. They actually built the thing. They went to another special effects company <laughs> and said, uh, hey, we need some kind of reference, animated reference, and they only gave these guys like three weeks to make the animation. They went to a completely different animation place. They rented out a basement section that was <laughs> of the studio. I think at uh, I think 20th Century Fox or MGM uh, distributed this uh, as well. They they and they animated, but they were given no direction on what to make. Of course. So it shows. <laughs> so some of the demon and stuff they had to put in and electricity to cover up the wires that were there to they help. They didn't do a very good they job. They did not. Put some no. wires on my Amazon. But, <laughs> but apparently, so Mike, you're not far off. The, the demons in the basement, they basically winged it. They were given really no direction. If it was up to me, it would have been a bunch of killer rabbits, and they would have called it the nest quickening. Oh, <laughs> nice, nice. I imagine them sitting around going, they're never going to see those wires. It's not like everybody's going to have 70-inch high-definition screens <laughs> in their homes. Honestly, the <laughs> amount of times that happens, it's like... You know, they, like, yeah, just, it's, it's good enough. Yeah, the brain will hide it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's the way, that's why the animation is the way it is. It was a last minute choice to change it rather than him. Apparently, they had this wonderful sequence worked up with him fighting a, a manifestation of, of all the energy from Kurgan because he was, a, you know, evil. So it kind of formed into this. So it would have been like the cloud fighting the shocker. <laughs> more like i think uh you know uh conan a deflated conan against a uh a, you know great value demon from destroyer conan the destroyer baby something along that lines more did, uh, did they have a picture know. of this thing that they the uh, i couldn't in the book? come on mark you I, know you got one i i, I couldn't find they didn't have one in the book they were describing it though um, junk. but <laughs> I don't sure remember that. I don't, I don't, the, I don't, re I don't re remember seeing that, but, um, 
Yeah, it's it's one of those things where the producers, you know, we we talk about it now in modern films and and especially because of Marvel and Disney being the way they are, we hear of the horror stories of producers changing things and being in the booth and and change it's even more prevalent. Everything I read on the 80s films, how was even worse? Even before that, like yeah. you know, Gone with the Wind is David O. Selznick's movie, mm-hmm. and he f- went through three directors to get the movie he wanted. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. it's, yeah. <laughs> it, it, you know, and sometimes it's good. A lot of times it's not, though, because y- you had some things that they, the romance angle, uh, you, you know, you even had, I think it was, uh, who played uh, Brent, uh, uh uh, Brenda. Speaking um, of that, real quick, can we just mention how did this woman have time to rise up through the ranks of the police force and write a giant book about ancient weaponry? <laughs> <laughs> that was a um, big book. Well, she worked for the she worked for the museum. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, she didn't actually write that book. She just designed the slipcover and put it. Yeah. Over. <laughs> Ah, yeah, she she tells all you find that that's how she impresses the guys you know now you have tinder back then she had slip covers so she was just she changed the slip cover depending on what guy she had over so you know here she connor slipper yeah, yeah well connor you know he's into sword so she pulled out the sword slip cover you know if she had a football player it'd be encyclopedia of oh, nfl she bought that facts. nice printer yeah. she might as well use it. she <laughs> she did <laughs> though you can't argue with connor's collection of of artifacts through the years though i like that circular room that you had yeah that was cool which you know that's part of it the the music i think the the music director pop promo whatever you want to call it the music video thing works very well in the favor for this film because the camera work that you get in here is especially for 86 is unusual for a feature film i mean you get some of those swooping uh hallway shots with kind of the fish-eyed lens that he you've seen in music videos but not necessarily in feature films you know and and the camera work i love the camera work in this film yeah oh yeah he shot the fuck out of this (laughs) yeah well the scene where um brenda is being chased by the kurgan in her apartment Mm -hmm. uh and you're kind of running through the different rooms it's smoky there's like red lights coming out and i realized oh that's just She's probably living next to a bar or something that's in the unsign. But I was just expecting like D. Snyder to pop out of the room or something with the rest of the twisted sister and start jamming with the curve. Yeah. Just the New York, New York part you like from Queen. I guess that was recorded in between takes of them recording different songs. He didn't actually, he was just riffing off of what they seen in the film. Nice. So yeah, that checks out. <laughs> Cause Freddie Mercury is awesome. <laughs> uh, so uh, I think, I think we'll wrap it up here. Uh, gentlemen, uh, Highlander. I, I think we'll wrap it up here. The, the final question would be, you know, do you see why it's a, uh, a cult film and would you like to see them tackle this material again in a remake and nick we're going to start with you uh the the speed version is yes and yes <laughs> um i i think that again i just restate in what i've already said sure. i think there is something really special about the concept of this film and while i would have 
cast it a little differently <laughs> and, and tweak the dialogue. Um, I think there is something really magical happening. It, it's it's a kind of magic, as yeah, they say, nice. um, with this. And to the sound, it, again, haven't I haven't seen the sequels, but it sounds like like I, there is so much that I would love exploring in the story that I don't understand how they fucked it up. Like off the top of my head, I could think of fifteen great stories for a sequel to this, and they're like, uh aliens. <laughs> <laughs> And they and went so, to aliens right like that. Just, just right out of the right, right out of the gate. Yeah. Like you'd expect that out of like four <laughs> or five or something. Um, it, so I would I would love for there to be a <laughs> modern, serious uh <laughs> redive into this world. Cool. Uh Mike, just to your point, you're you're right. They do start off with the aliens. And what's funny is in in Highlander 2, there is an interesting concept to where Connor got the prize. He tried to improve the world. And in trying to repair the ozone, because we're talking 80s, that was the big thing. Well, this the sequel didn't come out to like early 90s, but the ozone was a big thing. In his effort to seal up the ozone, he ends up actually creating a shield that blocks out the sun around the world. <laughs> so he ends up making a mistake with the prize and ends up becoming kind of a pariah. I mean, he be, he's rich and all, but he actually also ages because there's no more immortals anymore. So they play that angle until someone teleports in from the alien planet. And then he's young again after he kills one person with the quickening. Okay, that's how they do that but i like the idea of selling this movie more <laughs> no uh, but i like the idea of him making a mistake with the prize i thought that was an interesting concept the rest of that film though the concept was just shit though they were just I, like I, there there's so much material to explore before like between the flashbacks and the present mm -hmm. in this like they're they're literally centuries and centuries and centuries that go unexplained mm -hmm. and it it's fine like i think the narrative feels complete for this uh, yeah i'm not saying that something was lacking but i don't see a point in trying to take the story off from the point when he is the last one no more to see here <laughs> like who who else is he gonna fight oh we'll bring them back because of <laughs> like alien like alien like, just go back you, you could you there's so much story to tell back mm -hmm. there with with the Kyrgyz, with with uh, Ramirez you could do like there's so much story back there mm -hmm. and they're just ignoring it <laughs> <laughs> yeah Mike what about you uh, see that it why it's a cult classic and what reboot do you think there's room for a reboot or s another sequel <laughs> well first I just want to uh, uh, point out and I think I might have said this mm -hmm. in our last episode Nick I absolutely love the way you say the Kurgan mm -hmm. say it again Kurgan Kurgan yeah Kurgan <laughs> um Makes yeah. great coffee too. The, <laughs> the Kurgan is terrible. For well, now I want now I want a curing machine. Every time you put the little cup in, it says, "Give me the prize." Yeah. I think it's just be there, there could, there could be only one. There you pod. go. There could be only one pod. Um, no, I definitely see about this movie was uh, it was as a cult classic. I think it's yeah. kind of captured people's imaginations the way that mm. say like other shit from the eighties like He Man and, and stuff did because it's like it honestly just feels like the, the story of Highlander feels like the story that like the, that we all would have like 
every kid playing pretend would have made up. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, he said it in a negative way, but I will, Roger Ebert's review said it best, where this is like a the the Highlander is like a convenience store of for young screenwriters of just grabbing every cool idea they have and just throw it into a script. He said it in a bad thing, but I think that's kind of a beautiful metaphor for what this movie yeah. is. Yeah. Um, but I actually I think I think this movie's ripe for a remake. And unlike uh our friend over here, Lee, I don't hate remakes. I I, <laughs> I you know, I, I think that there's definitely a place for them, you know, especially like if you can hopefully improve on something or do something different, fuck yeah, man. Remake. Remake the shit out of it. I don't give a fuck. The original movie's there. It's yeah. never going anywhere. I like remakes personally. But no, I think like you get yourself a good cast. You get yourself some cool effects. You get a coherent story. You know, take what worked out of the original one, remove the crap that didn't. And I like this movie quite a bit. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of crap in this movie that oh, yeah. doesn't work that you could remove, and you can make a better film. In my, I think. Um, but I just, I just hope they find someone better to cast than what they did in this one. Because, like, if in my mind, going with um, what was his name, uh, Christopher Lambert, yeah. It's it's it'd be like if they cast Christoph Waltz to play that card. It just feels <laughs> off to me. <laughs> Which don't get me wrong, Christoph Waltz sword fighting would be something to behold. That would be that would be awesome. But like shit. You know, I don't know. Get that big dude from Aquaman or something to do this movie. Someone. Get someone who has some Momoa. Yeah. Jason Momoa. I don't know. Get somebody with some muscle. <laughs> It's someone I actually, can believe that could behead someone. Oh, you know, you know. Actually, he'd be Kurgan. Oh, he would be a great Kurgan. He could Kurgan. be Kurgan. <laughs> he could be a Kurgan to uh, uh, Tom, uh, Levinston, uh, Loki as a Highlander. Um, uh, Tom, Tom Levinston. Hilston. Hilston, thank you. Hiddleston. We, we think so. Christoph Waltz should be the Kurgan. Oh, Christoph Waltz as the Kurgan and Tom Hiddleston as... as, as It'd be the skinniest Highlander. Lee, yeah, Lee said Waltz as the Kurgan. <laughs> or would that be a Kurgan? Uh, Kurgan, that's the Swedish name for it, Kurgan. Uh, <laughs> I, I think anyone who has a has a Kurgan at home needs to put a picture of... Uh, <laughs> Kurgan uh, on it. Right on the front of it. Right on the front of it. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. (laughs) Some safety pins across where you like you lift it up. Yeah, I I like I I feel like every time I watch this movie I like I like it more and more. I still have a lot of problems with it. It's it's narratively fucking goofy. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Pacing is fucking goofy. But it's a lot of fun. It's beautiful to look at, and it was easier to watch the Masters of the Universe one. Yes, it definitely is easier to watch than the other canon classic in quotes, uh, Masters of the Universe. Uh, before well, we, Dol- <laughs> Dolph Lundgren is a better actor than Christopher Lambert. Well, maybe Ooh, not in total. I, wow! Uh, like in this film, wow! I, I, I think I, I think Lundgren is very wow. <laughs> Except in that Dungeon Siege sequel where he plays a special ops person sucked back into the fantasy world. Okay, Let's well, not talk. Let about- me ask you this: If they put Christopher Lambert in that movie too, do you yeah. think he would have done any better? <laughs> I don't think anybody could do any better with exactly. that script. They, exactly. It doesn't matter. <laughs> a bad script will hurt the actor. It, I think it, Christopher Lambert just had more opportunities to be in better movies. That's true. <laughs> uh, just before we get to you, Dolph Cast. <laughs> there you go. Uh, just we'll, we'll get to Lee's comments here because I want to put it. We're, he's torn on remakes. We'll put that out there. He uh, doesn't think they could capture magic. The original. <laughs> 
trolling him the way the Kurgan trolled the cloud. Trolled the cloud. Yeah, I did bad things to her, and 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 I spit in her coffee too. Um, <laughs> and I remade the Lost Boy. <laughs> I remade the Lost Boy. Lee also said there were a lot of really good stories in the series. Uh, they should have been able to make a bunch of excellent movie sequels. Fucking idiots. I agree. And then he says uh, he's pretty sure his jaw dropped in the theater floor when watching Highlander 2. What the fuck were they thinking? And he's getting really pissed just thinking about it. I'm sorry, Lee. That you're, you know, <laughs> Highlander 2 does get me kind of irked, too, if I think about it too long. So uh, I, it, <laughs> I can't wait to see it. <laughs> and, and, and Lee did say, don't get me wrong. I've seen plenty of remakes that were good. And he agrees. Walt says Kurgan and uh, uh, Kurgan, a coffee addicted immortal. There you go. <laughs> just pop an espresso for eternity. <laughs> just... <laughs> he doesn't have to worry about heart failure. Well, no. Shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Ian, what's what do you the, think caused the quickening? There's a quickening. There you go. A lot of espresso. Uh, <laughs> Is, is hallowed ground Starbucks? <laughs> well, hallowed grounds. Hallowed like grounds. Oh, the joke was right there, Mark. I was waiting for oh you. Oh my god! It. Oh my god! We're we're rolling. We I think we got something here. Copyright. That's what we. That's what we bring to the show. <laughs> that's what you bring to the show. Now we've got a coffee version of of uh, what. So it would be Highlander Grog then. Uh, <laughs> Groglander? What? No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like an Ian's Ian's like, got something to say. He's chewing on it. He's chewing on it. Well, no, speaking of chewing, I just got the idea for uh, a Kurgan Pez dispenser. <laughs> oh, that- <laughs> with little, 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 little uh, oh, clothespins. The, the with yeah. the clothespins along the edge. Oh yeah. my you God. could do like almost all of the immortals. You could. Everyone, be... the one, Highlander that friend that he met on the bridge. There you go. <laughs> um, serious. So, all right. I do recommend, I, th- I can understand why Highlander is a cult classic. Uh, it cannot be remade mm-hmm. now. <laughs> we are in the era of terrible big budget, you know, studio movies because if they remade it, it would be PG thirteen. They would cast Timothy Chalamet or Noah Jupe as man. You just have a thing against McLeod. those two, huh? <laughs> you just have a thing against those two because you know. Look, I can le- at least look at Christopher Lambert and say there's a man. Now I know Noah Jupe and uh, and Timothy Chalamet are of age, but they still look and act like twelve year old girls. Um, but yeah, there's something, you know, the Kurgan, I, I want to see Jason Momoa as the Kurgan. Uh, yeah, I want to see that versus, well, I would actually watch Jason Momoa as the Kurgan versus Timothy Chalamet as, uh, Connor McCloud. McCloud. I would not be rooting for Connor McCloud. <laughs> that's where I stand. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I absolutely, I love this movie. It's, it's a true cult classic. This is the definition of it. Um, not just because of the fact that it's endured so long, even though it's this quirky film, it does have that spirit, uh, that people are still, we're still talking about it today. People are still fans of it. They're still doing cons of, of Highlander, you know, material and such. It's crazy the the, you know, but it's a true cult class because not only does it have history with the fans and the viewers and watching it, but there's a thick history behind it of how it got made and i think that's what i we find i think all all of you 
watch and read far more than I do. Some of these, cult, a lot of these cult classics, what helps make them cult classics, I think, is the history behind them of how they just even came into existence, much less made it to screen and managed to capture a fan base. <laughs> I mean, that, you know, it, it, that's what I think really uh, I, makes a cult classic what it is. So, uh, honestly, you're, you're touching on something absolutely correct because, like, no one sets out to make a bad movie. And the people, I shouldn't say no one. There are people who should be making movies. because Birdemic. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, everyone, you know, any decision made to make a movie is with the intent of hoping it's going to be a good decision. Because hindsight is is twenty twenty. You mm-hmm. never know. You could, on the page, everyone could be really excited about something. And then it just doesn't work. It's hard enough to make a movie. Mm-hmm. I'm speaking to someone who's done it. Nick, you have as well. It's hard enough to make a movie. It's hard enough to make a movie that's a hit. And third of all, it's hard enough to make a movie that people are going to remember by the time that they leave. Mm -hmm. So this movie, just the sheer fact that it exists, and here we are talking about it (laughs) in in a way that, you know, yeah, we're poking fun at it, but there's something about it attracted all four of us to it. Mm -hmm. That's something to behold. 35 years later. I mean, that's yeah, the, right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's getting a 4K freaking release. I mean, it's they know there's an audience out there. There's I'll, a f- I, I'll buy it. But. Yeah, there was a 4K <laughs> transfer, I think, a few years ago they did for the 30th anniversary. I think they worked on it. But um, yeah, I mean, it, don't set, just set out to make a movie. Some of these just click. You're right. Birdemic was one of those where the director was like, oh, yeah, no, I had fully intended it to be a bad film. And I'm like, no, no, you didn't. I'm sorry. <laughs> you just the guy couldn't act walk. How do you not act walk? How do you how do you just walk down the street badly? Okay, you you can't direct that. That's it. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I I love the original Highlander. The sequel. Oh, look at the cat. Hello, cat. Got another guest. We got another guest. This uh, is Audrey. She will hello, Audrey. Lead. Audrey um, uh, it, her name is actually Audrey too. Oh, uh, but uh, named after Little nice. Shop of Horrors. An- another cult classic, yep. actually. Um, From I, 1986. I, I love that movie. Uh, so we'll wrap it up. It, it's canon because it was distributed and okay released and it does have the canon logo in it that's why it got included and that's why i really wanted to talk about it <laughs> was just because i really wanted to talk about highlander and i'm glad it got the votes you, last you year you would have found any reason to make it work because you, you read that book and you just wanted an excuse to do this movie. <laughs> i'm so, no i read the book at, after uh, i chose the episode i wasn't oh, even geez. intending to and i apologize for bringing it up so much but it just it it gave you, you sold me on the book. Damn. It's it's got it's got a lot of I mean especially at all if you at all enjoy the movie reading just the history of it you're just like wow it's it's impressive and Clancy Brown you might have a little bit of a different opinion of him but he uh, mentions the mistakes he made because he was young and just you know a newer actor and some of the decisions he he fully admits that things he thought should have been done. Uh, he was in the wrong and he fully admits that he was in the wrong years later, you know, 35 years later. But at the time, he's like, yeah, I thought I knew what I was talking about. Like, I guess he ripped up the uh, jacket that they had made for him because he didn't think it should have all this stuff or whatever. And and they're like, what are you doing? That's a pro. They're like, 
just wear it. Oh, <laughs> man. Uh, so uh, it, it's up to you, Nick or Michael. It is a cannon fodder film. We only have three cannon fodder movies left to choose, one each month. And since you are our guests, uh, you can fire the cannon. Which one of you wants to fire a cannon in that you pick a number between one and three? Now, we're only down to three, so you got to pick a number between Ooh. one and three. Which what, what do you got? Go ahead, Michael. All right. We're going to go... I've always had a fondness for the number three, so let's go with that. It number three. Number. Okay. Uh, let's. Also, Jack White's favorite number. <laughs> let's. Oh, it, and you know what? It, it's not going to play it for me, is it? It's not going to play this f- file for me. How dare it? It's ah. You know. Can it, you just do the sound effect, Mark? I I, I could just <laughs> do the sound effect. Uh, give me one moment here. I, I I I will make this work real quick. I had this set up, and it it just it just. Ah, the technology fails yeah. me. Production you know, day never goes as, as practiced. It never, oh, never. No, we, it me doesn't. and Nick have to re-record an episode because we lost. <laughs> we lost half of my audio. Oh my god! We haven't. I don't think we've had to do that since our Phantom Tollbooth episode. No, and I almost didn't want to do it because it pissed me off so bad. Yep. <laughs> All right, I got it now. Let's see if this works. All right, let's see if this works. All right, so you picked number three, which is Kickboxer. Next month, we I've are never seen that. We I've are never seen that movie. We are going to get do Kickboxer, which means automatically that by default means we're doing a Jean Claude Van Damme month. There you go, Angelique. If you listen to this, you get your Jean Claude Van Damme month. Fun um, fact: the Jean Claude Van Damme is an, is a blind spot for me. I've only seen really? like. I've seen Street Fighter, and maybe that's it. Ooh, wow. Yeah, I, I I own quite a few of his movies. I just haven't watched any of them. Well, Van <laughs> You've Damme. bought them, and you haven't watched them. Um, well, actually, most of them came. Uh, a couple of them I, just, I was gifted, I was given. Ah, uh, okay. And then I got a collection in to review, and I never reviewed it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have several there's movies like, that I have purchased. and, and There's like eight have movies out there, man. Yeah, I've got like 400 <laughs> movies I haven't, seen, I haven't watched yet. <laughs> So, a fun fact, I don't know if, if we'll do this next month, but mm-hmm. uh, they did uh, Kickboxer Retaliation, I think, yeah. in 2016. Yeah, It's actually a remake of Kickboxer, but it's Jean-Claude Van Damme in the role of the mentor and not you know, oh, it, I didn't. I didn't realize this okay. until like halfway through the movie. I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> Don't like, you love that? This is too similar. <laughs> Don't yeah. you love that? You're watching Barbed Wire, and then you're going, "Is this supposed to be Casablanca? <laughs> what?" Uh, <laughs> so, thank you very much, everybody. Thank you to our Thanks watchers tonight, Lee said he was planning on going to bed, but now he's going to watch Highlander. So, yes. hey, we have succeeded. Yeah, go on Amazon Prime and let us know which version we watch. <laughs> <laughs> if it was at the extra eight minutes, uh, I am sorry I bring it up again, but it was very funny. Apparently, they wanted it shorter. And so one producer suggested cutting out one frame from the beginning and the end of each scene, and it would have made it the eight minutes shorter that they wanted for the film's <laughs> run time. And the guy was like, what? <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, just cut the last frame out of each s- scene. It was like, oh, 
Yeah. But <laughs> wow. as always on my show, it is a license to shill for my crew members uh, who are I've far been shilling all night. Man. Have far more uh, a great stuff uh, out ABC, there that you definitely, close. definitely need to check out. So first, Ian, license to shill is yours, sir. Go ahead. Uh, I'm Ian Simmons. I run Kicking the Seat, which you can find at kickseat.com, uh, and also on YouTube. Uh, Kicking the Seat Ow. is on YouTube. So, yeah, I do several videos there a week along with, like, live streams. And in October, I'm going to be doing, well, including the spoiler room, I'm going to be doing three live streams a week Whew. Uh, plus regular episodes. Uh, so, yes, look for me to be alive at the beginning of October at the end, it might actually be a ghost for Halloween. <laughs> what what is the uh, the like? What what is Life kicking the seat about? Things. Tell me. Uh, sell me is, on your product, man. I well, I well, I'm not going to sell you by the tagline because it's movie reviews from the last guy anyone asks, and that is me. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it, there is no real theme to it. We just talk about movies that I want to talk about, uh, new releases, classic stuff. I have a number of uh, ongoing series like Page to Screen, where we talk about a novel and the film adaptation late screening i've got a friend of mine who you know growing up he never watched movies so we get to sit through a lot of you know first time things for him like classics uh so yeah just a little bit everything and then uh wednesday nights mark is able to to join and grace us with his presence for live streams we talk about whatever disney marvel shows are on so right now we're talking about what if so yeah that's that and he has wonderful interviews as well you folks need to check it so he does interviews as well so oh i I wanted to plug an interview i have coming up with the screenwriter of the starling the new melissa mccarthy netflix movie that's coming out this weekend Hmm. that is getting savaged by critics i talked to the screenwriter and actually asked him how he felt about that you don't want to miss his answer (laughs) (laughs) looking forward to that and michael (laughs) and nick the floor is yours licensed to shill gentlemen shill away well, we are the Shameless Picture Show. Um, we uh, take films that we should have seen by now, especially as film critics and filmmakers, um, that we try not have in the past tried not to admit that we haven't seen. <laughs> and we admit that we haven't seen them. Yeah, and we watch know. them and we check them off the shameless. There's always that, you know, like I ran into this a lot when I went to film school, you know, like people were like, oh, have you seen Apocalypse Now? You're like, uh, totally. That part that we shouldn't go into any more detail about, but I loved like, it, right? We've talked about apocalypses and they are now. <laughs> you, you just don't want to admit that. Because like, you know, because especially if you're a person who has seen a lot of movies, you, you, you it, people expect that you've seen everything mm-hmm. and then they relish in the fact that like, like I've seen a movie you haven't. <laughs> like, yeah. And I've seen probably a 30. You've never even heard of like, leave me alone. <laughs> especially cause like, especially as, as film fans, like I feel like w- a lot of us have taken that journey where like, okay, yeah, I could go see the Godfather films or I could go see all the Italian ripoff movies that were ripped off. Like that they made in lieu of the Godfather. Cause mm-hmm. like the Godfather's not going to work. I'm sure I'm going to like that movie. But what about these weird things? So, like, sometimes you just miss the big things, things that you know you're not going to hate. And mm-hmm. you just, like, you know, that's how things like Apocalypse Now or The Godfather, The Exorcist get pushed down the list because there's only so much time in the day. So we wanted to give ourselves a chance to just be pretty open about the fact of what we haven't seen and give give ourselves an excuse to watch it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are big things. Like, we've done episodes on gone with the wind nick had never seen rocky so we did that and we actually had lloyd kaufman on to talk about his time working on that film we've <laughs> done movies like uh um 
we I can't think of Alien. Right now. Alien, Terminator, yeah, yeah. Both like, of those I hadn't seen. Uh, I thought I had seen Terminator. It was Terminator Two. Well, and I then, listened to part of your Ghostbusters episode earlier oh, today. Most controversial episode. <laughs> well, it's funny because I grew up loving Ghostbusters, and then I went to watch it a few years later, a few years ago for late screening with my friend who'd never seen it. And watching it, I was like, wow, Bill Murray is freaking me out with how creepy he is in that movie. And I am not enjoying this thing. Anymore. So, <laughs> you, you had a similar experience. Well, I had to yeah. get it pointed out. My, my nostalgia blinders were on. Uh, and I it wasn't I, until I Michael like was, I feel like I was being mean on that. No, episode. no, no, not at all. And then, and um, then we did a Patreon episode where I I waxed philosophically about how much better I think Ghostbusters Two is. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Wow. Um, Lee is still what, with us, by the way. FYI, version of Highlander and Prime was the extended version. So, okay. So, um, one of our our latest episodes was our 100th episode, hey. actually, and we were super excited about it. We got Woo. to yeah. talk to Andre Gower about uh, the Monster Squad, which was really. Special Sweet. for both of us, but in particular Michael, as he he grew up on that one. That's I awesome. Cried. I cried in front of Andre Gower. It was it was, it was, it was beautiful. beautiful. <laughs> it's, it's a beautiful moment. Well, so and we have a website now. So go to the well, shamelesspictureshow.com, I'm assuming. Yeah, is, is the the there? You know, it's just shamelesspictureshow.com. Shamelesspictureshow.com. Made by my beautiful and talented wife Amanda, and Ooh. it looks badass. Awesome. Sweet. Well, so that's us. Well, thank you all i hope uh thank you to everyone who watched i, I appreciate you mike and nick coming on and that was a pleasure Thanks literally anytime this like, has yeah. been a blast and, awesome. and i think now we'll just say uh good night everyone good night nice good night good night good night good evening there can be only one <laughs> You have been listening to a Special Mark Productions production. If you're looking for even more Spoiler Room content, head on over to our Patreon.com slash Special Mark Productions site, where you can join one of our reasonably priced tiers and get access to even more exclusive content. Speaking of getting access, head on over to SpecialMarkProductions.com and click our new merchandise store link, which will take you to our store where you can get some of that sweet, sweet Spoiler Room merchandise and wear the logo of your favorite podcast. There's also Final Cut and Special Mark Productions merchandise as well. All kinds of things for all kinds of tastes. We thank you once again, and remember, in the spoiler room, the conversation is fresh, but we do spoil the movies.